Uh, so this question came in from the Netherlands and guy said, Hey, Brendan, maybe an idea for your next video. Can you tell me something about your biggest turning points in the past in your cycling career? Not only about training, but also racing tactics, psychological thinking about your opponent in racing and mindset in training, and maybe something about the biggest mistakes in training and racing tactics. So I think training uh, mindset and then racing psychological thinking, I think is super important uh, when you're looking at your opponent and then we can touch on some mistakes in training and racing, but to preface all this, I thought somebody that would have a good outside view would be Jason Hillemeyer. So I emailed him and I said, Hey, this is a question a guy proposed. What did you see in me since you coached me up to cat one that changed as I was training? And he said, this was a, I thought a great response. Honestly, it came down to your confidence in three phases and each one built on the next. It sounds generic, but if you don't have one, you can't have two and three on top of it. So number one, and Jason, shout out. This is such a great email. Confidence in the training plan. Following through and understanding the process. You'd often call and ask about changing workouts for weather or to ask if you could ride more. And while there's a time and place for it, once you started to understand the importance of where you were going, you started following the map because you were confident you were going to get there. So I know he's referring to a lot of times I would ask to go do a training race and he would ask me, do you want to win on Tuesday night or do you want to try and win on the weekend in two weeks? Or, okay, do you want to go ride six and a half hours or do you want to be ready for next weekend? You can't do everything. Number two, confidence in your fitness. Once you knew the training was going to get you where you wanted, you knew that you had it when it came time to ask your legs to go. You had trained hard, harder than most races were going to be, and it was and when it was time to say, come on legs, they responded. Number three, confidence in yourself. Not just confidence that your training and racing worked and that you could go when called upon, but confidence that it was okay to fail. It was okay to try something different and not succeed. This is people, if you didn't see this last talk that we did about micro goals, we talked about this. Like failure is just another step and another lesson. It's not, you don't fail. You learn something. It's often inevitability. It's part of the process. Yes. Often you need the confidence to fail a hundred times over to succeed once. Confidence in yourself outside of just bike racing also. I'm sure you're well aware of this one, but you need to be confident in who you are and not just as a bike racer. They are always intertwined, but often separated. As those things have clicked together, at least from my viewpoint, that's what helped you help to bring you considerable success. And I think if you looked back at what may have been failure, failures, you'll find perhaps a part of the above was likely missing. So Jason, that was, we, I think we could just like stop this right here almost that is such a good way to look at yourself as a cyclist and an athlete, your confidence in your training plan, confidence in your fitness and confidence in yourself. So many people do not believe in them in themselves. And it kind of intertwines with, I've been continually referencing, referencing back to a podcast with um, Justin Williams, who said, well, fitness is half of this. The other half is racing and a huge part of racing is 
getting to the start line and believing you can win. Because if you do not believe you can win, when things get really tough, you are going to drop yourself, period. If you do not see yourself winning, if you have not ridden down the road and visualized, I will look around and be like, I hope no one's looking and be like, oh my God, I'm going to win this race. And you feel like so corny doing it, but you have to think of yourself putting your arms up first and you have to allow yourself to surprise yourself in a race. So I think Jason kind of like hit a ton of points, but where do you want to start with talking about maybe the training side or do we jump into like psychological thinking about your opponent? Cause I have a ton of stories that were pivotal to me in that aspect. What do you think is a good way to attack this one? I think you train and then you race. So let's, let's go that route. Okay. What's your mindset in training? How do you approach training? And this, I think even, you know, we kind of hit on having these little micro goals and you just said it like those small wins come together to get big wins, but how does that it's Thursday your next two weeks of training, you know what's coming up. Um, what's your mindset towards this? I think the training piece is, I look at it as mindset for training. I think a lot of people get psyched out by their workouts and they forget that it's just a bike ride. And I think it's completely normal to be looking at a two by 25 max or You know, I always look at even sweet spot bursts. Like I know that the bursts are going to be tough and it's really the coming back to threshold and the morning of, I'm like thinking of how is the execution going to play out? Like I'm going to burst, it's going to sting a little bit and I'm going to keep on the gas and I'm thinking of the route that I'm going to do so that I have good roads and I'm thinking of riding really fast and I visualize just executing it. And this is like while I'm eating breakfast or while I'm, looking at an athlete file or whatever. Uh, But I think also I'm very, I feel very achieved after I finish a workout, partly because I get anxious about it. I'm like, I really want to win at this today. I really want this micro win. But even on the day, like the workout is the macro win for that day. It's like one of the few things that I really want to crush. And so I think psychological, mindset is massive i mean you can read athletes who do a workout at 7 p.m don't have the best ride and you know how was your day like dude i was you know i was up at five and my kid had this and this happened at work and i don't know my nutrition might not have been perfectly dialed and that's like dude you had so much going on that you can still nail the workout but if your nutrition's off or if you got too stressed, or if you didn't have any time to really focus before you got on the bike, if you're doing a really hard workout, like the one real banger of the week, you might not complete it, but that's okay. I mean, that's life. You can't, we're, we're, most of us aren't getting paid to train and race and whatever. So you have to just do what you can and move on. It's, we said it last time, it's see the forest. If you're getting good time, in other workouts, missing one workout's not going to kill you because you're hopefully focused on the number one pillar that we have that's going to really hold you up, consistency. So who cares if you don't crush every workout because you're not going to. It just doesn't happen that way. Um, yeah, I think here's a perfect opportunity for me to chime in because talk about doing the dad thing. Like, you know, I sometimes – my riding window is when my wife – my wife works out before – 
uh, she goes to work, right? So like if the kid wakes up at six, I, I can't be on the bike at six because she's doing her thing for her sanity. So my window of riding is always after she gets home from work when I've been dadding all day. And like, sometimes I get, sometimes the win for me is clipping in just cause like finding that, finding that, I mean, I'm, I'm wiped, but you know, we, we do put a lot of pressure on ourselves for sure. Like, like you say, like, I want to, I want to bang this two by 20 perfectly. And, and you're like, man, I'm tired. This hasn't been there. That hasn't been there. It's like, you know what? Get on the bike. I've never, ever gotten on the bike and clipped in and started and like attempted and ended and said, you know what? I wish I hadn't have done that. Like that, that's never crossed my mind, but I, I do see a lot of athletes oftentimes just like, life got, life got a hold of me. And I just, you know, I just didn't have it today. I'm like, well, that's, that's fair. I mean, life is, is dense, you know, for everybody it's dense, but you know, what, what, what was it uh, that we had in the last episode? Cycling is a lifestyle. Get over it. Or <laughs> so what was it? Hey, figure it out. Like, that's, figure it out. Figure it out. Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes you, you get in there and it's like the intention is to, be at a hundred percent and you're only at 94% of where you want to be. You're still, I mean, you're a couple percent off. Yeah. And it's still, we have this ten- still quality oh, bike riding. Yeah. Even yeah. if you ride and endurance, like, even if you can it and ride endurance, there's a benefit to that. I mean, I'm having, I don't want to go on this tangent, but I'm having a conversation with a woman from the UK about how endurance will improve your FTP. And, you know, she follows the inside protocol and fat max zone. She's like, you know, the biggest, one of the biggest determinants is getting a lot of volume at your fat max, which for people who aren't doing inside test, it's basically, it almost always ends up being like middle endurance volume. That's going to help your FTP. I mean, so you, you get on, you clip in, you suck, pedal at 70% FTP. You will make a gain from that down the road versus being pissed off at yourself and going home. I just never understand that. Didn't have it, went home. That's never the right answer. That's always the wrong answer. Unless you were like injured or, you know, some something happened, but not just because you're not hitting your 97% or whatever you're shooting for. Sorry to steal the mic from you, but I thought it was an important insertion. Oh, no, that's totally, it totally is. And, and I mean, that's, you know, I guess, uh, probably recently, you know, one year to the next never looks exactly the same, but like, you know, I have a eight month old, almost nine month old. So like for me, like the, that's been a huge turning point. Like I have to do right now, what is sustainable, what allows me to be consistent. And sometimes that's being flexible with like when I put a workout in, or if I'm, you know, I've been, (laughs) taking like a Sunday as an easy day and starting workouts on Monday like that. I didn't do that for 10 years. Monday was the rest day for 10 years, you know? (laughs) And what's that? Super nice that way. Sunday's off. It is. It is. Yeah. So, I mean, and it's not always that way, but just giving yourself an opportunity to win, not, not beating yourself up about it. Like that's, that's been huge for me. Like, staying consistent is the number one win and then not beating myself up when it has to change a little bit. Uh, that's been, that's been way different. So I think if we follow Jason's sort of protocol of confidence in your training plan, 
maybe the, the you need to know the roadmap. And I think sometimes, and I've made the mistake with newer cyclists when I don't explain fully, I try to now put a note in before training blocks because you always forget how much you didn't know before. When I used to ask Jason, like, okay, why are we doing threshold stuff now? Okay, why did we switch to VO2 max? Why did we do this before this far off from a race? Sometimes as a coach, you forget how much somebody doesn't know. Not as a knock, just we all started there. I mean, I don't have to repeat it. I started in basketball shorts on a bicycle. I didn't know what FTP was. I didn't know anything. So asking those questions, you want to know where you're going so that you do have confidence in your training plan. So understand whether you're buying a plan, whether you're making your own plan, whether you have a coach, talk through that so you can say, you can go to sleep knowing I'm doing tomorrow what is going to get me to my goal. And that's really important because some people have really big goals and then they're not consistent or they, oh, and to my one point I want to make earlier when you're saying like, we made the comment came out last time of cycling, it's a lifestyle, figure it out. There are people I've read and read it before, like, oh, Brendan has a really distorted view of training because he rides so much. And I just politely said, hey, man, I coach mostly people that are riding 8 to 12 hours. I have been verbal in Strava especially of if you want to do well, do not copy my training because they haven't ridden 140,000 miles yet. You know, everybody's like they started in – 2017 and they're they think they're doing 20 hour weeks every week that's not going to be good for you so just be careful what you follow you know don't follow me unless you've been riding for a while just as if you look back at my beginning training go way back to Strava I was not doing 20 hour weeks ever I think my first I forget what I'd email do when I started looking back at this like it was a few years in before I did a 20 hour week because Jason was like dude you will die don't do that um and of course, you'll die as a joke. But a couple of months ago, I uh, I looked at I was looking at like our old training rides, like when we first started riding together, and like we were doing the endurance ride. <laughs> they didn't look like like the way we ride now. Not even close. They weren't even like we thought we were nailing it, but we weren't really even in I the ballpark. <laughs> I need to go back and look at my zone one time. Because it's like, I, nobody ever taught me that. Like, that is an Evo creation of no coasting. You know, I was chuckling when Ashton Lambie was on the other day. And he was like, yeah, I try to keep coasting under 30%. And I didn't want to be like, bro, Evo's at 10, baby. Come on, let's go. Let's get a little bit more uh, precise with that. But, you know, I think we all have learned so much over the years. And that's going to be the next video. Why does Evo exist? Conversations like this. Um, we are not the Bible. We're just I got, sharing. Go ahead. I got two add-ons. So, um, you know, the first, the first one is, you know, Jason pointed out that you took an ownership over your training. You asked questions, you got involved. That's like when I take a new athlete on, that's the first thing I said was like, this, what you will get out of this, like I will give as much as I can, but it's going to be a lot in your responsibility to get it from me. Like you need to understand, you need to pull out from me what you need. And like you own that. And you know, Jason was one of my first coaches too. And, um, and I just remember always like, you know, I ping him with questions and all, all the time you have to do that. You have to figure out why you're doing what you're doing. Like 
it's one thing for me like, okay, well, it's from December through February. Here's what we're going to work on these weaknesses. We're going to work on these drills. This is why we're going to do it. But there's like a day-to-day ownership that um, really successful athletes always tend to have. Mm-hmm. And um, I think also one thing to too is, you know, people, I will tell athletes that, you know, keep track of what you learn because if somebody asks the same question twice, I say, Hey, at first I'm polite. And I say, Hey, go back and read that conversation from a month and a half ago. This is the date of the email. Cause I'll just search my email, but it shows your coach when you keep asking the same thing over and over that you're really not paying attention. Like, I'm like, you're not, are you not into this? Cause we keep talking about this and it's great to ask questions, but get, you know, make sure you're absorbing and understanding. Like if you ask, okay, why did I go from FTP to VO2 max? If you get the answer and that doesn't make sense, say, I don't really get that. I think sometimes people just say, okay, and they might not understand the answer. So really be able to have confidence in the training plan and understand that so that you then have what Jason said was number two, the confidence in your fitness. You know, if you trust your plan and you're executing these workouts, I had a guy who was like, you know, Hey, I just want to check in. Like, how am I doing? And I was like, dude, the past, in the past four weeks, he's a new cyclist. So even doing aerobic stuff of 30 to 60 minutes, he's setting lifetime PRs over and over and again. I had another guy who was like, I never realized how much I coasted before. Like, this is pretty crazy. And I'm like, well, how do you think you're doing? I mean, you're setting lifetime PRs. It's really hard to, uh, tell you aerobically now how you're progressing but I would say a lifetime PR is a pretty good sign right like um so I think having a plan that you trust and following it and then following the successes you have in the rides allows you to look at yourself and say okay I'm as fit as I can get right now for where I'm going and that is huge you got to be confident in what you're doing how you feel how you're performing um I don't know if that comes across the right way and how to understand confidence and fitness, but you know, because then as you get ready for races, there's all these little litmus tests you can give yourself and hopefully you're racing before your big event to get a litmus of where you stack up against other people. But that's even more down the road than where we're at now in December. So, but I think there's a lot of ways to have confidence in your fitness before your event. I'm trying to think what he said. Um, do you mean, uh, I got enough. Um, yeah, so, uh, and I'll just relate this to myself again, you know, in terms of confidence of fitness, I thought I was like, well, I want to be slow for a year or more because I'm not going to have the time to train because I was, I was never like, let's do 20 hour weeks. I was, I tend to fall. I was like really enjoying like a 15 hour week. Like that was pretty much like where I average. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. I wrote a lot. Um, but, you know, now I'm definitely in the 8 to 12 camp. And I'm riding great. In a lot of ways, I'm riding the best I've ever ridden. And that's because the consistency is is everything. But that that was something I wasn't sure I would be – I wouldn't be confident in my fitness because I wasn't sure if I would be riding the same. So, like, I thought, man, I, I don't have that 15. That 15 was what I needed. And really, that's that's not it. And I think a lot of people have the tendency to look at bigger volume riders and say, that's the only way I can be fast. Like I can't, why do I even bother if I have eight to 12 hours? Like, 
like I'm just, you know, I'm a, I'm a three for life. Like that's just completely not accurate. Um, and, uh, so that was, a, that was a big thing I learned, uh, recently. Can totally be competitive uh, on eight to 12 hours. I mean, is maybe more not better, at ultra is more better than, than that. If you can do it and you've got the riding beforehand to handle it. Yeah. I think it's hard to argue otherwise, but I think the argument is that if you can do eight to 12, you can be competitive in the U S riding, no doubt. Um, for sure. Of course there's limitations there, but you know, I mean, there's limitations. There's also people who will say, well, you used to ride so much. So now you're riding less. You've got all those miles in you. That's another point, a huge factor. Yeah. You've been racing and training hard for however many years. Um, so that's a huge benefit. But still, again, we both started at 8, 10, 12 hours and got pretty far doing that. So, And if I had had the level of quality that I operate in now, like that 8, 10, 12 hours, like if I pursued like the ultimate quality of, of workout, and I was always, you know, we, we train, we, you try your best to make your rides and your training as, as good as it can. And, and that's an evolution. But you know, if I had fast tracked that years earlier, I bet I'd be faster now if I'd never even gone past that eight, 12 hours a week. Totally. hundred um, percent. I don't even want to look back at old rides, but I, mean, I even remember old rides. I wasn't, nobody was talking about how many carbs to eat. And it was like, yeah, I'd get like 300 calories an hour or something. I mean, I was, I remember days on five and a half hour rides, six hour rides. I would pedal through Pittsburgh like dead, just like, crawling home doing 200 watts like this is so hard and it was like dude you had no food left in you no fuel whatsoever um i mean yeah just we didn't know we didn't know better but we do now but okay confidence forward. moving forward onward um to his question uh Biggest turning points in racing tactics and psychological thinking about your opponents. You go first. Because I got a okay. I got a list. I'm just gonna grab the mic and roll with it. <laughs> <laughs> um let's start with racing. Turning point for me, I remember so I mean my life was a little complicated when I I got to two really fast. You know, that, that was all in one, in one season. I thought like it was just about going hard and being fit and being the fittest. And, and then, but I moved. So I moved to a flatter racing area. I had way, way less opportunity to race uh, when I moved to Michigan and I was fit, but just going hard on every, every time the road tilted up and like kind of expecting I could eventually break away by just being strong wasn't working. And, and then I moved again, I moved to Tennessee. So I, I was a two for, I think two and a half or three, three years, like almost three full seasons. And I, I started kind of to get a little down, like, and I'm, I'm doing all these rides. Maybe I'm a two for life. You know, I, that thought went into my head and then I did uh hell the South my second time, my first time, uh, and I got sixth, and that was like the best result I had had in in like two and a half years. 
And I hadn't had a podium in like two, two years. And, and I, I was at the three winning or getting on the podium in the race with like, you and Kevin yeah. were like arms up, arms up. What a podium party. Here we go. Smashing people. Yeah, because we, we train really hard, and and the train suited both of us really well. So, but but I had to I had to take a different level of understanding into the way I raced. And Tennessee again had kind of trained that suited me a little bit better. But the second hell of the South, um, I I got I got the win, which was super cool, and that just sparked this new level of confidence. Like I just, but I had to keep my head down for like two years and just like you know just keep grinding, keep learning. Like I, I went back, I looked at the power files. I looked at the race courses. I analyzed racers. I thought, you know, I was just like, I didn't give up. I just kept trying to figure it out. And, and that flipped the switch. And then it was, you know, three crit champs in a row. We started the team. Like it was just, and it kind of led to this, like all the next level. So that was, you know, that, that was a seemingly um, little race or little moment, but it, it really, I mean, it's the reason I'm still doing this today. And probably the reason I, I took a real vested interest in, in coaching and, and analytics because that um, I needed to, I had to figure, I had to figure it out. Yeah. Um, and then like racing mindset. Um, yeah. That's, I, I never feel more confident than when, when you, you and I are in a race and ready to throw punches because like, we have such a good dynamic between the two of us are different strengths, like similar, but different strengths. Mm-hmm. And that like, once, once we started racing together, like I totally evolved my, my racing mindset that that's probably like my number one favorite thing about like just throwing down. And having a teammate um, that you can trust and know, and there's no better feeling than when you attack, you get brought back and you're seeing the counter go, and you're like, I bet so-and-so's going right now, and your teammate flies past. It's like, thank God, all right, somebody's going up the road. Let me catch my breath for a quick second. Now I got to get ready to throw some punches. Like, that's an incredible feeling. And that actually I was going to bring up Vatsik because I think for me, uh, you know, I don't remember – Cat 5 and 4 happened very quickly, and it's such a weird it, – it's just like a, it is a fitness contest. There wasn't like – I didn't even know what I was doing. Like you're getting to the race, you're just getting your number and you go race. And before you know it, it's over. And it's like, Oh, I won this cat four race. Sweet. But I was always looking at the next race. It's like, all right, I just got it. I want to keep getting better at this thing. And I remember going to bat and kill as a cat three. So it was my second year racing. And it was the first race of the year. And I remember people saying how big of a race this was. And when you're new, you don't really know what like the prestigious races are and stuff. And I remember everyone talking about Meeting House Road, and it's this big climb at the end. And I remember riding, we were in a group, there was like eight of us left maybe, and I knew a kid from New York City who actually used to live in Rochester, and I was like, yo, dude, when is that climb coming? And he's like, we just went over it. And I was like, that was, I don't even know what Meeting House Road is still to this day. It's not, there's no big climb. People always, it's not that big of a climb, and I'm a big dude. And I was like, so it's flat till the end. And he's like, yeah, dude, we're like two miles from the finish. And I was like, holy shit. Okay. So, and I won that race because uh, Panzera always said, when in doubt, lead out. And I didn't lead that sprint out, but I was third coming out of the last corner. 
and the first and there was like a, just a little bit of wind and the first dude blew and the, the second guy like we were like just you could see the finish line and I'm like I'm just gonna sit here and when this guy like eases up a little bit I'm just gonna gas as hard as I can and I out sprinted two teammates and Hillemeyer was there racing the cat two race and he's like how'd you do I was like I won he's like oh my god so it was the first like big race that I won for myself and I think I was like okay maybe I could be good at this like I really want to keep trying this and then got the cat one that year and went back to bat and kill and it was like Jesse Anthony. Um, the pro teams could only have three riders. And I remember going up, I don't think it was Meeting House, it's like some, maybe it was, but I looked around and I'm like, we're 50 miles in. And I'm like, people don't look that great right now. Like maybe I should just attack. And I attacked, got off with Brent Tivers. We caught some people up the road. Uh, he dropped me on the last climb. He caught Jesse Anthony and won. Jesse came second and I came in third. And when Dave Towell came up to me, he's like, so, third place, Minerva, or, uh, Mount Bore. He's like, sorry, man, I don't know who you guys are. Where are you from? And I was like, dude, we're not supposed to be up here. Like, this is – and it kind of was just like a huge – we thought – we celebrated after that. Like, I, I've become more lack. Like, I think third, it's great to celebrate the podium. I used to kind of was like, eh, if you didn't win, you didn't win. But, like, we celebrated that. It felt really good, and uh, Brian Cardona was on the sidelines before that race started, and I was super nervous, and he was just like, yo, man, you've done the training. You've been riding your face off this winter. Like, you know, Hillemeyer put you in a good spot. You all put the pants on the same way. Like, just go race, and it was really calming to have that uh, person say that. So, I mean, I think those nerves, though, nervous energy is good. It keeps you on your toes, and my goal was, like, you know, I'm not going to wait for a sprint and I'm going to try and find a way to do well in this race. Um, and there's all these little things that stemmed from trusting my coach, from understanding what I was doing, understanding my progression as an athlete. Like I started being realizing like I'm pretty good in a breakaway. I have a pretty good chance to win if I'm in a breakaway. Uh, I, I don't necessarily think that people – think of how they can win enough they just are like this is my goal race it's like okay well can you win that race They're like no why is that your goal race then? like let's what 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 are you good at what could you win how could you win and um you need to be able to surprise yourself and that was really when i wayne bray i still think is like such a i don't know if he was around when you were racing do you remember wayne he raced with mvp he then moved to Embrocation, which was like an all-cat two team, and he was the cat one guy on it. And I got one of the first races. I actually want to look up this race. I think I came in 12th at Bloomfield. This dude was driving the pace, and I remember I'm like 10th in row. Like, this is so freaking hard. And Wayne is just like riding. And I'm like, I want to be, I want to be able to do that. Like, one day, I want to be able to drive this group. And he, we, a year later, are in the break together at the state championship. And I'm thinking to myself, how am I ever going to drop this dude? And I dropped Wayne, and it was like, oh, my God. I remember calling Jason just being like, dude, I can't believe I just dropped Wayne Bray. Like, it was, you know, I was so amazed at what he had helped me achieve. And it was simply by following a plan. It was simply by, you know, talking to him, learning, understanding myself, 
So I think the mindset from training to your psychological way of looking at opponents, like it might change in a race. I had, if you would ask me in that race, I remember thinking in that race, like, you know, maybe Wayne wants the money. Maybe I can figure out a way to like, I'll give him the money and I can get him win. And I was like, dude, why are you thinking that way? That's so like, that's so chump. But like it crossed my mind. You hear, you hear of like, pro riders making deals and stuff. I'm like, do people make deals in these races? <laughs> like, I really want to get that jersey. And, uh, you know, I didn't believe in myself in the first part of the race. And then when we got off and it was like, we're halfway through the race, I'm like, I think he's struggling right now. Like, I think I'm going to try and drop him. And that's, I want to jump to what's the biggest mistake in training and racing tactics. Biggest mistake is people don't believe in themselves, but bigger mistake is people don't roll the dice. Like, you I was ready to roll the dice and try and drop Wayne. And if he caught me, I knew I was screwed, but I was like, I'm going to try and drop this dude. And if you don't roll the dice, you will win far less, but make calculated risks. Like it was a 50, 50 chance. I either drop him or I don't. Um, and if I don't, I guess I get another shot. Like maybe he can't drop me. Maybe it's a sprint. Maybe like who knows, but people don't take chances. And I think it's really a huge mistake. And we keep flip-flopping from, training and racing and the biggest mistake in training is not pushing the envelope and so many athletes would be like dude i can't believe you had me do this workout on a tuesday but more so i can't believe i completed it and i'm like that is a massive building block like that's a little win take that little win put it in your pocket now we keep building on it you know it's like it's momentum it's a lifestyle (laughs) figure it out (laughs) so i don't know (laughs) <laughs> yeah you know and i'll piggyback that i think i've said p back like three times that's terrible. unpack that but Un- unpack that a little bit more patrick <laughs> <laughs> there is there is i need to send this to you jonathan van ness the guy from queer eye he's like he's in an episode he's like queen unpack that and i was like i need to send it to patrick <laughs> yes queen go oh well, that's good that's good. I'm going to live my life like that. Um, here, no, so you, you, you were talking about going, you know, just not rolling the dice. Like that is the worst thing you could possibly do. You know what happens when you roll the dice is you go on the offense. And when you're on the offense, other people are on the defense. It's a lot harder to be on defense than it is to be on offense. It hurts a lot more to be on defense than it does to be on offense. And if you're controlling the situation, you're one move ahead already. And like, that's, that's what it's all about. You got to get one move ahead of everybody. And that's how you cross the line first. Like that's a, that's a part of that. And, you know, another big one that is kind of in relation to that is like, you know, you got to see yourself winning, like you said, but how are you going to do Like knowing, rehearsing the effort, rehearsing, knowing if it's 50 K out or 20 K out or five K out or, the climb is one minute long or 90 seconds, whatever it is, like visualize over and over. You got to practice that stuff. Like that's, we'd sit and look at, I mean, I'm huge about look at the course or figure out how my strength will play out on the course. Or if, if it's a course that's not to my strength, like you got to figure out what you're going to do about it. It doesn't matter if you're racing a, a Wednesday night race or a national event. Like that's, you have to have, you have to take that and, figure out how you're going to make your play so you can go on the offense. 
Dude, that's such a good point. And I think also when you go on the offense, you now have the other guy thinking, oh, crap, this person's feeling good. Like, they're attacking right now. You need to know, like, even if you have one match left, know when to burn that. And sometimes it's to burn it to make the other guy think you have five matches left. Like, it's the psychological win. Like, you are not just battling bodies. You are battling minds. Think, let that person think that they are pumped. And, I mean, that is huge, the gaming of that. And also, you just said something that I was – you had a really good point about mm, – I lost it. But <laughs> – Oh, rehearsing. It's chestnut. Rehearsing this, the best way to rehearse it is the more cards you play, meaning the more races you go do, the more race situations that you can fit into your training calendar in the right way. Don't just go race every night. The more you're going to learn. If you race once a month, you have a far less chance of winning than for someone who races three times during the month. Um, There's a way to make that all happen. It's – it's tough when you're racing every once in a while, you know, you don't learn as much. You're going to learn so much from races and those are really good rehearsals for how to get the wins. Um, but yeah, psychological aspect of winning, you gotta believe in yourself. You gotta believe in the training and you'll believe in the training when you put in the work. That's another pillar of our, you know, methodology. You gotta do work. So you got anything else? Figure it out. Figure it out. Don't forget it. Figure it out. Yeah. Um, I think I think we hit on all of it. I think it's really good. It's you just gotta enjoy the process. You can't be afraid to lose. And you just you gotta just keep sitting down at the table. Like that's you know the it it bums me out when I see somebody who was like for like a year and a half or two years is like all in, really loving the bike, like we're both lifetime cyclists. I'm going to clip in six, seven days a week, like for forever. I just, I'm, I love it that much. But when I see somebody who's like all in for like a year or a year and a half, and then all of a sudden their Strava goes to nothing weeks off. I mean, you never really gave yourself a proper chance. You really didn't. And, and, um, and I, it, it kind of bums me out when somebody say, Oh, it's my, my genetic potential not as good enough or it's like no, you just got to be willing to just fail and grind that's and, right and that's what i was going to say is you know there are times where you get on a streak and you just catch l's and they're lessons they feel like losses at the time i mean i remember driving to jersey doing a race coming in ninth driving to philly coming in 16th driving back to rochester and it's like my friends were hanging out all weekend and did I waste my time? I, you know, I didn't get any upgrade points and I was really pissed off and I was like, what am I doing? But I like, all right, what can I take from this race? Like I attacked too early. How do I know that I attacked too early besides the fact that I got ninth? Like there was a headwind that was really stupid. Okay. How could I have done better? How did that guy who won win? He was patient. He came around everybody in the last 150 meters Meanwhile, I'm watching this happen because I just got dropped because I went too early. Like, okay, that's not going to happen again. And you got to take a lesson from the loss. And that lesson is a win. I mean, the experience is a win. You 
the more you do it, the more you learn. But if you, if you just lose and you go home and you're pissed off and you go back to training and you don't think about it, then you're making yourself lose. You're not helping yourself. So make sure the time that you spend is well spent. And I think also I would probably be a little bit more lighthearted is not the word, more relaxed. I was super tense at races when I first started because I was so like, I got to get these upgrade points. I really want to, you know, if I don't get them this week, because it was a 12-month window, you know, you only had a certain amount of time to get these upgrade points. Everybody now, you don't have to deal with that. You can plush upgrade system now, just rack them up. But it was different back then. Uh, so, you know, have fun. Make the weekend into something besides the bike race. Cool. Cool. Thanks. This is a great one, man. It was good. I, I like this.